I encourage you to grab your Bibles. We're going to be turning to Matthew 28, looking at that here very shortly. And as you are situating yourselves and opening up your your Bibles, you might have a, a question in your mind. What is Seth doing up there? Here we are in this time of, of doing this, this campaign, and so far we've just heard from Pastor Josh and in this, and you know what? It's actually a, a great picture of, of what's going on for us in this campaign because we're focused on increase and multiply, specifically now, forward together. So when we're a staff, when we're an elder team, we're together in our endeavors in shepherding this, this church, and so, you know, we weren't quite sure earlier in the, the week who was going to be well and who was going to be sick. And there were some things going through the deconing household. And so Josh asked me if I could step in and, and bring the message this morning. And I'm, I'm glad to be able to serve him and you all in that way. We trust that this is just part of what the Lord is doing in this crazy ongoing COVID year where he had to be extra careful to make sure that he didn't have something that he was transmitting to the body here, but praise God, everybody's well in the house now. Everybody's well as of, uh, as of yesterday, and so we're, we're grateful for, for that. Um, so this the second week of this campaign that we have going on, you're looking around, you're seeing t-shirts, you're wondering, is this a deja vu moment? Have we been here before? And I'll tell you, you're not going crazy. Yes, we have been here before. We were here back in in March, and we were anticipating in early March some some key events that were going to take place that were going to help us focus in on, okay, where are we going? As a church, we are a plant that's growing out of this pot, and we're anticipating a need for another, so we're going to have an advanced commitment night where we're going to focus on uh, preparing our hearts to, to give and surrendering to the Lord in our giving. We're going to have a commitment Sunday. And then all of that stopped right when we were on the precipice of, of engaging those events. Okay. But last week, we, we started back up with that again. And so now we're in this second week where we're saying, you know what? We are forward together in this. And so this card right here, this commitment card that you either got this morning on your way in or that you received last week on your way in. If you didn't get one yet, there's there's more um, at the the back that the ushers can give you later on, as well as out on a table out there in the the main common area. But but this this card, I want to use this to just encourage you a little bit, okay? Because you can look through it and you can see there's some things that detail out what this campaign is all about. There's kind of a, a, a grid here to, to work through on, okay, how do I plan for how the Lord might have me, my household, to, to be giving? But then on the back, there's this, this mapping out of what it's going to take for us as a church to uh, arrive at this place where we, we can indeed get into our next, our next pot, this, this plant that's outgrowing where we are. And right at the top there, you see we're looking for one giver to, to give $450,000. It's a, it's a sizable amount, right? Well, well, let me just encourage you, church, that even though things got shut down suddenly in, in uh, early mid-March, the Lord had already been working on people in this church. Someone has stepped up to say, I'm that 450 person, and I'm, I'm giving a big chunk of that right now and committed to the rest. And then others have, have just kind of followed in that wake to continue to provide. And so we know that 
yeah, the, there might be COVID that hits us like a, just a, a, a wave, but you know what? God continues to, to work on, on hearts, and, and he knew that we needed to pause and then restart later on, and we're seeing that he is the one who's our provider. That's always been the case. That will continue to be the case in the, the life of this, this church. But So here we are in this place, second week. We're aiming at 100% participation as we are prayerfully looking at that card that we might hang up on our refrigerator or have in some other uh, this place that we pass regularly in our home. We're, we're, we're prayerful that, that we are, are going to, to, to give sacrificially towards what, what God would lay on our hearts to, to give, trusting that he's going to provide for us. And we're going to, to say, you know what? This is, this is about us being together as a church regardless. That's what we're aimed at, moving forward together. So I mentioned really brief those things that got shut down last time, right? The Advanced Commitment Night and Commitment Sunday. I can't believe it, but this coming Saturday, September 26th at 4 o'clock, we're going to be meeting here. This is for those who might be saying, you know what? I, I think I might be ready now to go ahead and make that commitment. Fill out my commitment card and turn it in. It's going to be a time to... The, to register ahead of time for this Saturday on your church app or on the church website and gather here to, to pray, to give thanks, and to make that commitment to, to contribution. Or if you don't make, maybe registration just keeps you out of even getting here this Saturday. We can only have about 70 people here. Commitment Sunday for sure. Uh, the, on the 4th of October, that's going to be a time where, again, we're just going to gather, we're going to sing, we're going to open God's Word, but that's also going to be a time where together as a church, we turn in those, those commitment cards, trusting that the, that the Lord is our provider in this endeavor, in this campaign. So have those things on your calendar, be, be thinking, be praying, um, be, be uh, uh, anticipating that uh, the Lord is going to continue to do great things um, through this church, in this church, um, over the coming weeks and, and months. And we're going to, to trust him. If he wants us to have that Gold's Gym that's here behind me, just several hundred yards away, we're, we're trusting that he'll put us in that. And he's, he's going to use his people to do it in some way. Or if we're together along the way and that doesn't quite happen, we'll praise him anyway. That's where we want to, to land as a church. But today, we've got scriptures to look at. Okay, are you open to Matthew 28? I, uh, I, I want us to, to, to look at the scriptures and travel again forward together this week specifically with clarity, with clarity, focused in on our mission, the mission, the work of the church to make disciples. You know, COVID, I think, has has tempted us, Pastor Josh is exactly right, to, to be disconnected in different ways. We've maybe even had opportunities to be connected in some ways, but we just kind of threw up our hands along the way, maybe at some point, and said, I don't know how to do this. This is too confusing. We've been tempted to be disconnected. You know what I think we've also been tempted to do? At least I know I have. I've, I've been tempted to become a sleepy saint. I don't know how else to say that. A little bit mission foggy. We know the mission to make disciples that God has called us to. Anybody else had a, had a fog along the way over the last few months? Oh, my goodness. You participate a lot better than the other services did. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, you're with me in that. You sense that, that fogginess, mission foggy. 
Now again, deja vu, right? Matthew 28, Pastor Josh had us here on March 8th, right before we stopped, we paused this, this campaign. Uh, we were there then, but guess what? As a church, in a sense, we never get very far away from this text where Jesus spells out our mission so clearly because making disciples is the work, the mission of the church. So we, we have to, in some form or fashion, land back on that all the time. But let's read it. Nonetheless, we want to set our eyes on it. So Matthew 28, I'm going to, to back up a little bit previous to when he issues our mission to verse 11. And here's the scene. Here's the scene. Jesus has risen from the grave. Some of the women who loved Jesus, who followed him, had come to that tomb, seen that it was empty, and then actually met Jesus himself. And Jesus tells these women, all right, I want you to go talk to my disciples, tell them to meet me in Galilee. And that's where we come into verse 11. It says, while they, that's the, the women who have followed Jesus, were going, behold, some of the guard, this is the guard who, who lost Jesus, not a good thing. And some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what a rich picture. You just kind of imagine yourself coming back. I mean, you're still kind of probably startled over the fact that the risen Jesus who endured the cross and, and had his body broken, here he is standing before you and he's, he's, he's kicked death in the face and he's saying, I've got all the authority. All the authority has been given to me. I'm in charge, he says. I'm in charge, disciples. You need to know that. I've evidenced that. I've got the authority. So here's your job. Make disciples. Make disciples. This is the, the clear and concise place we see the mission of the church from Jesus. So I'm in charge. Make those disciples. And then comes behind that by saying, remember, I'm with you. I am with you to the end of the age. Great clarity on what the church's mission is. And so like our Lord, right? He builds into giving this huge job. He says it in a really clear way, but he builds into it this great encouragement, the fact that he's powerful over sin and death. 
And he brings this great comfort on the other side of it as well. You're not alone. I am with you. So like our Lord to, to speak to his disciples in that way. Great clarity about what the work is and also so much comfort at the same time. Okay, so that's the clear mission. Make disciples. But you know and I know that living out this mission is different than just hearing it stated clearly by our Lord. Okay? This, this mission that Jesus has given to us is a lifetime work. It's this lifetime partnership of others with others. It's a, it's a challenge. Feel that sometimes? And it's a joy. You feel that other times? It's a time of that's going to require refocusing on a regular basis, part of what we want to even do this morning. How can we get zeroed in on that and, and, and make sure that we're seeing it rightly, clearly? He's refocusing. And it's a, it's a downright fight along the way too. We're just fighting for endurance and to continue to hold to this, this mission and, and, and believe with all your heart that it's true and that, that you can trust in Jesus. It's a battle along the way. So here's what I'd like to do, okay? Maybe we're super familiar with Matthew 28 because we talk about it in step two class. We talk about it um, just in, uh, in step one as, as well as people would gather at a table outside. Um, we have things plastered on our walls that remind us of Matthew 28, our, our mission. But is this, is this just a, a crossway thing or maybe uh, a Great Commission collective or our wider network thing? Is it, is it that? I, I want to invite us into a, a little bit of a, a mission case study today. A mission case study that I want us to do. Okay, you know where we're at right now. Matthew 28, Jesus on the mountain with his disciples. Fast forward now in your minds about 25 years to the Apostle Paul, probably writing from the city of Corinth in, in Greece to a church in Rome. Okay, in Italy. All right, so, so let your mind go forward 25 years and, and let's do a case study to see if the mission still holds, if that's the, the mission. We, we don't want this mission if it's just a crossway thing, right? We want it if this is a, this is a from God and his word type of, of mission that we're to, to live out. Okay, so did, did, did Paul and the church in Rome live out the same mission and purpose? What do we see here? So before you turn to Romans, why don't you do a really quick skim again in Matthew 28. Okay, what's, the, what's happening there? Um, they're, they're, they're gathered there with Jesus. He, he talks about his authority. He gives them their mission of, of making disciples all nations, okay, teaching what he's commanded, and he's with them. Okay, got that in your mind? Okay, turn now just a few books further into your Bible to Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one. What I want us to, to do is look at four different sections of Romans chapter 1, and then we'll detail out four different, with each new scripture section, four different places where I think we see some, some sameness, some continuity with the mission these 25 years later. Okay, so Romans 1, I want to start us out um, in verses 5 and 6, okay? So here's what's, what's taken place in the letter so far. Um, we, Paul has introduced himself. He's reminding who he 
is subject to, who has the authority in his life. You see in verse 4 there, it's the, the, this one who's been resurrected from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom, verse 5, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his, Jesus' name, among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Did you hear Paul's purpose there? Did you hear that it's the same purpose, the same mission as in Matthew 28? Slightly different wording there, but but did you hear the focus on on disciple-making, on discipleship? What's Paul's desire? What's the aim of his life? And so also the aim of this letter. It's the obedience of faith for the sake of the name of Jesus. It's the same purpose. It's the same purpose that Jesus gave the disciples to live out in Matthew 28. I love that he can say it in new words, maybe a little bit different uh, color of things, way of emphasizing it, but it's still the same call of discipleship for the sake of Jesus and his name being lifted up. Paul is adamant that there be hearts actively submitted to this resurrected Christ that he just can't quit talking about, that he is so zeroed in on. And he wants that. Here's another echo from Matthew 28. Where does he want that to happen? And all what? All the nations. All the nations he's focused in on there. Now, not at the exclusion, like just like, oh, this kind of big thing out there of all these people, but including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, he, he says. You hear that you can just kind of feel the, the reverberation from 25 years earlier where Jesus was standing there with his disciples. And here he's saying still the same mission, still a, a mission for the world, still for the, the person as well who's hearing it right now. Same purpose as in Matthew 28. I'm encouraged by that. The fact that this isn't just a crossway thing because I, I love our church, but I don't, I don't want to be on mission just for something that our church does independently apart from Christ. You've maybe uh, recalled um, this, uh, this little game that, that children play. You probably played it yourself um, uh, perhaps many years ago called Telephone. You ever played the game Telephone? You know how that works? You've got, you know, let's just say there's 10 kids in a, in a row, and the first one has a, um, a, a sentence, a little message, that uh, he or she whispers into the ear of the next one. And you can only do it once, only say that message once, and then the next one, they take what they heard and they whisper it to the next one. It gets all the way to the 10th one, and, and the big test there is, okay, do we have the same message at the end that we had at the beginning? And that's part of the fun of the experiment. Hardly ever do you hear that, because you know the first kid might say, you know, I love to read the Apostle Paul. And then you get 10 kids later, what do you have? I'm digging the approach of fall, which I am. It was a beautiful morning. I loved that cool air. Different message though, right? And that's ten, that tends to be how the game goes. Not so here. Okay, this was emblazoned onto hearts. This was protected by those who, who heard and who knew that, oh, this mission that we have from, from 
Jesus, the, the purpose that we're to, to live out, it continues to be clear these 25 years later. It just gets repeated and reinforced and, and rightly, carefully contextualized for the, the present audience and advanced and then checked if anything starts to look askew about it. That's this message 25 years later. It's the same one, only being beautifully filled in, expanded on for the, the sake of the, the, the mission being carried forward just as Jesus gave it on the mountain with his disciples. So seeing this, this clear mission in Scripture, I know I'm called up short a bit. And I want to ask myself, what, what am I wanting to see brought about? We have from Paul here, he wants to see brought about the obedience of faith for the sake of Jesus' name. What do I want to see brought about in, in my home? What do we want to see in our, in our offices, in our, in our neighborhoods, in this church right here as we're aimed at, at doing life together on mission alongside one another? You know, I know that that I can, I can get my eye off the ball in this way. I, I can get so zeroed in on good processes in place for, for good ministry I want to see happen, for right systems to be established, for stability so that we have a good way forward together, for holes filled, filling in those, those, those cracks, the, the gaps to make sure people are served well, for, for people to be well supplied, for, for even just you know, peace and harmony and unity. Any of those bad things? I hope not because I spend a lot of time there. But guess what? Guess what? If, if those become just the, the means in and of themselves and, and if I'm not building upon the foundation of the mission, this is for the sake of discipleship. This is for the sake of the advancement of, of faith in people's hearts and lives for the sake of the name of Jesus. I've missed it. I've lost sight. I've lost sight of it. So here, so comforted by the fact that as Paul is engaging this church 25 years later, same purpose, same mission, make disciples. All right, next, next portion of our, our little test study here, our, our, our case study, verses 8 through 12. Here's where, how Paul continues to the Romans. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I hear further reverberations in this because I, I hear the, the longing of, of Paul's heart to be with his, his people. There's a sameness to the people as well. Those who had gathered to hear from Jesus and receive the mission and those that Paul can't be with at the moment, but he's still wanting to communicate with to, to make sure that they're, they're focused in on the same mission together, longing to be with one another, because that's what the church does. The church longs to, to be side by side with one another on mission. So not only is there a same purpose, we see a, a kind of same Christ-focused together people as we saw with the original disciples, taking cues from Jesus, having sight fixed on him and what he has commanded and living that out. 
So whether that's on the, the same hill that the disciples are with, with Jesus and taking your, their cues from him then, or it's in this, this uh, countries apart situation of, of Paul in Greece and him writing to the Romans there in, in Italy, it's, there's this sameness, this commonality of their faith that, that you hear bleeding through Paul's uh, ink as he's writing to this, these people that he loves. He's encouraging their common faith. He's, he's together with them in it, even though he's not together with them physically. And you hear how he, how he takes that kind of an encouragement. The path that he travels is one of ceaseless prayer. Did you note that? He, he's praying for them continually because he wants Jesus's, the, the reality of Jesus present in their, their lives. He, he wants to see that, that take effect more and more for them. So as he longs to be with them, he's going before the Lord in, in prayer, longing to give of himself for the growth of everyone's faith. He is committed to them. Just as Christ was committed to his disciples, I'm with you always to the end of the, the age. You know, Paul can't say it in the same way that Christ did, but he's very much saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. And that's what we do with one another in the, in the body is we are together on the same mission. We're a, we're a same people. We're a same people in that sense on mission together. You know, I, I don't know that, that Paul was struggling with loneliness per se as he was writing this. Definitely a lot of longing there. And we certainly know that there were times when Paul did struggle with, with loneliness in his ministry. We see that in some of the letters that he, he writes. But, but I, I know for, for us, whether we identify with him right here or other times of, in his ministry, it's, it's, been a, it's been a tough several months for, for us to enjoy fellowship in all of the ways we'd normally want to do that. And it's confusing, isn't it? Because it's not just about that kind of, wow, crazy lockdown that it's like so extreme that we're like, maybe I'm supposed to think this is kind of fun. You know, I've gained back a bunch of time because there's all these things wiped off of my calendar. There's some of that maybe at first, but over time, what takes place, even when that full lockdown isn't in effect, we've kind of had different ways of making patterns and thinking, and then this is taken off of the calendar, and then this is taken off of the calendar, and then that's punted to next year as well. And there's just this almost reshaping of the way that we think about being together as a people that starts to mold us almost into a, a wrong way of thinking about who we are as the church and that we're the same people together with one another. And I just want to say, I'm so thankful. I see so much in this church where people want to be together. There's been a hunger for that along the way. So encouraging. I hope that that never stops for us as a church. But, but here's the check for my heart that I want for your heart as well. And what's, what's the nature of your longing to be together? How much is this a, a self-focused, I'm lonely, I don't like the way this feels? And that's legitimate to, to have those, those feelings versus I think what we see here. Uh, 
kind of mission focused. Like a, and, and as I experience these feelings, I'm moved to prayer. I want to walk in, in constant prayers. I think about my, my friends and fellow saints and I want to be lifting them up and, and asking the Lord to do his work in their, their lives submitted to God's will. You know, Paul says, uh, I, I'm, I'm praying that it's, it's God's will. I may last succeed in, in coming to you. But he surrendered to God in that. Is, is our, our heart focused in in a way where we're saying, you know, I'm, I'm most eagerly desiring the blessing and encouragement of the other. Is that how we are dealing with the, the strangeness of this year and the disconnectedness that we've felt is our greatest desire to see blessing and encouragement. Because, I, you know, I, I can confess again that, you know, I would love to say that I'm so eager to see Christian friends and family and kind of have things back to whatever I view as ought to be normal. I can view that in, in such a, a way that um, I am, I, I am, uh, wanting that just for myself because maybe I just want to have fun in some of the ways that I had before. Maybe I want the, the, the comfort of having just certain people that I'd especially like to be around at certain times and I haven't had as much of that as I would like. Or just maybe the, 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 the rest of comfort of knowing that the schedule has kind of returned to, to normal. Or what I would want for my heart is to be focused in in such a way that I am just eager to see the other blessed by my care for them towards the end of their obedience to the faith, their obedience of faith for the sake of Jesus's name. You see that the difference there? It's hard, it's subtle because it's legitimate that we feel the difficulty of the times. Then what do we do with that? Does that send up from our heart's prayer to, to God? And do we get focused in on our neighbor in a way that says, oh, I just, I'm so eager to, to see their good, even through being able to be with them. That's, I think that's the shift that I know I want to take place in, in my heart that I would, uh, I would so desire for yours as well. Okay, so we've got this, this same purpose. We've got this, this same people and rightly focus there on how we think about our people. Let, let's continue on here. Let's continue our case study, verses 15 and 16. Verses 15 and 16. Paul says, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Interesting there, writing to the church. Eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Note the apostles' confidence here in the gospel's power to do its work. It's the same power from Christ when he first gave the mission and when he first showed that he was powerful over death by raising from the grave. It's the same power from Christ and his authority that we've always seen. And Paul says that good news about what Jesus did, that good news about that Jesus who stood on that hill with his disciples, that's what I'm banking on. That same gospel that has the power to save, that has the power to transform lives. 
that's where I'm zeroed in. Interesting, isn't it, that I, I backed us up to verse 15 there, partly so that we could be reminded of, oh, he's actually writing to the church. Now, I'm sure he had in mind this wider lens of, I want to be in Rome because there's people there who don't know the, the Lord, and so I want them to hear the gospel message. But, but pretty specifically, he says, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you, to you also who are in Rome. There's this picture there, this idea that the gospel is for the ongoing discipleship of the believers who are there. Paul didn't just relegate the, the gospel to a kind of new frontier kind of work with those who hadn't heard yet. No, it needed to have its effect through his proclamation even for the church, for the people who are already in relationship with Jesus Christ. It's this gospel for everyone, including the church, everyone who believes this gospel mission of discipleship. Remember, Jesus had said, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Okay, another reverberation here. He's saying that Paul is, is saying, it's yeah, the, the message from Jesus, of Jesus, is the, the good news that he is the, the hope for life for those at the front end of trusting him and all along the way. To, to uh, help to illustrate this a little bit for us, I'm going to take just a, a little bit of a, a break from my voice here for a second. And I, I want us to hear the, the voice of a sister among us who, who shares of the, the gospel's power in and through her, her life, even without using those exact words. Uh, she shares of her need for its ongoing effect through the local church and then her commitment to the same. So let's watch that together now. I'm Angie Beggs. My husband Rob and our four children, we started out at Crossway four and a half years ago. We showed up at Crossway with Leah, who's now 16, Emmy, who's now 12, and Zoe, who's now 10. And we were pregnant with our son Malachi at the time. We were without a job. We didn't know what we were going to do about church. And we showed up to the one year anniversary. Coming to Crossway itself was the precipice of what God was about to plunge us into and then to step into that and see this is actually how they do church. Church is actually like it looks in the New Testament with the one another's. That was God preparing for the moment when we lost our son um, and all the world fell apart for us. And yet what was there in that free fall of faith was the church. When we lost Malachi, people came and they served us and people that we didn't know, um, but we were in church together. And so they would come and they would clean our house and they would bring us meals and they would sit around the table and, and listen to me cry and, and just talk with me. Um, and so it was a, a longer process than one moment, but I know that that was the point at which the Lord pulled back the curtains in a way that we had longed for to see the Lord at work in a church that would look like scripture points out. And here we were seeing it from the bottom of a pit, but that was, was life-giving. The verse that says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. As I thought about that verse and, and wondered at what that looks like to walk out in real life, 
it's evident to me over and over that what we invest in has eternal impact. And so when we invest in a church, in our church, that is clearly something that the Lord has gifted us with, that is the best use of this limited time and resources that we have here this side of eternity in that it ties our heart where our treasure is there our heart will be and so as we put our treasure into those things that are the heart of God the kingdom of God and these people that he changes our desires to fit more into his so to to see others get that opportunity to to see all that God is doing for the kingdom in the regular everyday people of Crossway is so exciting because I know how faithful God is to expand our hearts to match his more, the more that we walk in his ways. Amen. When I hear that, that testimony from uh, my sister, it, uh, it, it does compel me to do some evaluating for my own heart, as I'm sure it does for, for you as well. It is, is the New Testament church's gospel the engine of your mission, the engine of my mission, the engine of our mission together? Because that's what Angie was hoping, and she used that, that phrase, free fall of, of faith. She's She's knowing that if anybody's going to catch her, it's going to be the, the Lord in all of that. And she saw him do so through the, the work of, of his church. Is that the engine of our mission? Is that what's at the bottom? Is that what is at the base? Are we ready to apply the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection for our rescue? Are we willing to apply that, that good news to things like family tragedy that strikes every family at some point along the way, to financial troubles, to sin struggles, to expectations in and for relationships that we have. Are we, are we eager for the gospel to have its effect on those things and to speak into those situations for our lives. You, you might kind of finish this sentence as a, as a help in thinking through that. You might say, Jesus has shown me my hope is supposed to be in him, but my hope and focus is wrapped up in whatever it might be instead. So that's for ourselves, right? We think, how am I going to apply the gospel as I'm facing all of those different situations? But then what about for, for one another? Are, are we applying the gospel in the same way to others as we care for them, as we seek to counsel them, as we encourage them, as we pray for them? Is it, is it with a, a kind of gospel at the center, good news of, of Jesus, he's the only hope kind of focus? And, and you know, do you ever fear that in talking about the gospel again, you'll start to sound a little bit cliche, maybe. Like, don't I have anything else to, to offer here, ultimately? I know I felt that sometimes, where it's like, 
how can I at least say this in a different way and praise God, we've got all of his scripture, like Romans 1, to help color that for us so that we can share that gospel. But, you know, Paul said he's not ashamed of, of the gospel because he knows that it's the, the power, but sometimes that can be like the sharing of, a, of our faith for the first time with someone who maybe doesn't know the Lord. But I think sometimes it's this ongoing work of still just talking about the, the gospel and we're like, oh, I feel like I've already said this, and it's starting to, to feel a little bit cliche even to, to me. We can, we can fall into those kinds of, of fears, but you know what we can, we, what we can do is, is ask God to powerfully work through your, your whole life gospel application. He knows how to round that out, how to insert it in just the right places, and so just asking, Lord, would you do that in my life? through all of the situations that I face? Would you do that in my relationships as I'm seeking to just care for those around me? Would you, would you color that with the, the gospel in a, in a full kind of rich, fullness of scripture kind of, of way? Ask the Lord to do that. Oh man, that is a prayer. He's going to love to answer. That's a need. He's going to be delighted to meet. All right, last little look that we're going to do in this case study from Romans chapter 1. Look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So we've got the same purpose. We've got the same people. We've got the same power through the gospel. But the mission also has in view humanity's great peril. It's the same peril of Jesus' rejectors. That's why I started in part in verse 11 there, right before Jesus gives us our, our great commission. What do you see? People trying to figure out ways to suppress the truth, to not follow this Jesus, to not have faith in one who's risen from the dead. That never stopped. That never stopped all along the way. You know that it hasn't stopped today. There's the same peril that's going on. We see the same people under the, the wrath of, of God. It's a sobering reality that can be hard to think about, but we have to let our minds go there because it's what shows that the gospel is, is rich and why it's needed. It's that we are at enmity with God. We are under his wrath. We are suppressors of the truth apart from faith in Jesus. That's where we, that's where we live. And, and discipleship, we know, is, is not just about you know, saying yes to some Jesus things or acknowledging that he's, he's real. No, what's it about? It's about a changed life. That's why Paul zeroes in here. He says that there's, there's ungodliness. There's unrighteousness of men who suppress the, by their unrighteousness, suppress the, the truth. There's life change that hasn't happened. Not all of these people in this category would necessarily deny the existence of Jesus and maybe that he even rose from the dead. That's possible that they would, that they would do that. But, but are they disciples? Followers of him submitted to Christ in their, their hearts. And Jesus, again, what has he given us but teaching that we're to observe? All that, that Jesus had, had taught, the disciples were to teach others to observe those things. We need changed life. We need to hold to the words and the person of Jesus. 
This weighs heavy on many of you because you may have friends or, or family members who you just see living totally destructive lifestyles, self-destructive lifestyles. It can take all kinds of shapes and, and forms. It can be just, a, just a, so bent on, on atheism to filled with drugs and, and alcohol and a hopeless state that that, that brings about for that, that person. All kinds of colors to that. And, and you know, part of the pain is that God has kindly made himself and his way known to them. Maybe partly through your words that you have shared as you have delineated the gospel before them. You know that God has kindly made himself known, even as they've had opportunity, just like you have perhaps, to, to step outside this morning and, and feel his, his beautiful air that he blew in and behold his, his wondrous creation around us that is meant to drive us into worship and to praise of the one who put all of those things in, in place. You know that as you have family and, and friends who are not responding to that but are instead continuing on in this place of, of blindness and unwillingness to see what's, what's really going on. Maybe even some in this room who not surrendered to Jesus. You've not come to that place. And Paul would say that you're in a place of great, great peril. You're in a place where you're under the, the wrath of, of God and apart from saving faith, in Jesus Christ, it's there that you'll remain. So again, heart evaluation time, right? Is the wrath of God real to you and I as we live out our mission? It, it needs to be. It doesn't have to take the front seat in every conversation that we have, but it's got to be this, this reality that, that we don't stray too far from because it's our greatest problem. We're at enmity with God. It can be unpopular to, to talk about. It, maybe for you, this characteristic, this concept of, of the wrath of, of God was wrongly emphasized earlier in life for you. And you heard that, and, and it, that's all you ever heard. And now you've overcorrected, and you don't have a category for it. Paul pulls us back into a a right, full focus of we have a problem of sin and enmity with God, but we have a solution through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He brings us back into that, that place of, perhaps from that place of overcorrection. We want this to help fuel our gospel clinging. The fact that, yeah, we're in enmity with God without Christ. And gospel witness and self-sacrifice. It's, it's what we want as we think about the, the perilous state that man is in under the wrath of, of God. So in this, this campaign that we're in, moving forward together, oh, that we would do so with clarity about our mission. This mission that is the same throughout the scriptures, it's the same for us, not just 25 years later, but 2,000 years later. The mission, make disciples. We want to be clear about that. We've got work to do right here among us on a regular basis. We've got work to do in further places in, in Texas, even on the other side of San Antonio. We want to be tuned into that. And then abroad, places maybe that we haven't even explored yet, that we're so eager to see 
God do a, a mighty work there as, as well as we would be on make disciples, gospel mission. You know, money and buildings, what are they? They're, they're a means toward that end of disciple making. We're so glad to have this building. We'll be so thankful if we get another one. But what is it, what is it for? Why do, we, why do we have it? It's toward that obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. That includes you, as Paul would put it there as he talks to the Romans, and includes us together moving forward in faith.